Hello, hello, this is Verz, and you are listening to the Version 4 podcast with Verz Laloon. This is episode 4, in which I interview Vedic Cyber God, a.k.a. Sunny. Uh, this episode uh, could potentially be the one that gets me canceled. It's fine. Um, Vedic Cyber God is a uh, Twitter thinker, intellectual, and as is evident from this conversation, absolute obsessive about uh, human genetics uh, anthropology and archaeology um, in this episode we cover so much that I can't even get to get started on but some of the topics include IQ, race realism uh, and the bygone era of message boards on the internet this one is so far the most popular episode and I hope you all enjoy be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share with all your friends so I can give you more content like this in the future thank you all right, great. We'll get started then. So you have a very um, provocative Twitter. Uh, so uh, do when, I? Yeah. When you get when you get started, you kind of see immediately with your bio that there's a lot going on. Well, yeah, my bio is real. So I mean, it's not hard being an 18 year old half Korean, half Japanese student who's uh, initiated into the Vedas and the fjords. So it's sort of you know people on Twitter that want to dogpile you because you're an 18 year old sexy half a girl. But you just have to kick through it, you know, and uh, fuck, <laughs> fuck the haters, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, dude. So you are, so you actually are a half a, and not, and not a. Uh... No, I'm a white dude. Oh, you're a white dude. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have any, any uh, Asian in me. It'd be funny if I did, but I don't. So... It does add a level of, uh, it does add a, a nice level of like, comedy to the whole. Uh... I don't know, anime Nazism thing going. It does, but I'm there's not. Some cra- there's some crackling happening. I don't know what that is, though. Oh, okay. I'll try and stop that. All right. Cool. Um. So, what if you had to, like, kind of sum up then, like, what... Because you have, like, a mix of, like, the Vedas and, I don't know, this, like, uh, race reason thing. What, what kind of... What do you feel like you're getting across? <clears throat> <laughs> what do I feel like I'm I'm getting across? Um, I mean, basically, I just I think that there's a lot of truth in these in these sort of ancient documents, and I think there's a lot of people who are maybe they don't like Abrahamic faith, they don't like uh, modern day Christianity, but they're not like atheists, and they don't they don't want to not believe in God, uh, and I think that a lot of people especially like Europeans, I think, Um, because like nobody looks at like Africans or Mesoamericans or whatever, practicing their like native animistic face to be like cringy or whatever. But when people do it for Europeans, it's cringy. But I think one of the reasons for that is because most of the like uh, basal European texts are, or they're translated by people who are very, 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 very far removed, or they're just, they don't exist in general. I think that there's been so much lost in terms of that. But when you actually look at the history, you realize that the, you know, because of the Indo-European comparative mythology thing, you realize that the really, really early Buddhist texts are a strain of the same uh, philosophy, tradition, or like way of life, religion, whatever you really want to call it. Um, that stem from that sort of same region in the uh, Eurasian steppe. And so any sort of people trying to be like Norse pagan or Celtic pagan, they're mostly dealing off of uh, modernistic works that don't, like everything's contemporary, most of it. Um, so there's, it's a lot harder to really get an understanding of it. But when you deal with these, uh, what we call Eastern texts, but they're really not Eastern texts, they're still very much European, at least in the the first first-hand texts like the Rig Vedas and stuff like that the, the Avestas um, and so I think when you explain that to people and you say there's actually the oldest like written document in the world was written by you know Aryans and it's religious and it's the same people that seeded the whole you know paganism thing some people don't like the word paganism I don't give a fuck so mm-hmm. But I don't know. You're I don't using, know if that makes sense. You're using paganism as just like pre-Judeo-Christianity. Yeah, yeah. But and and I think it specifically should relate to Europeans. I mean, a lot of people will use the word to mean like, like pre-Abrahamic beliefs in like the Middle East too. I don't really agree. I mean, 
obviously it's correct etymologically but some people will like argue with me and be like oh that's not what pagan means it means any pre-abrahamic belief so animists are pagan and mayan people who worship quetzalcoatl are pagan i don't know if i agree with that sentiment i mean obviously it's true but i don't subscribe to like that uh linguistic belief I try to keep pagan to mean Europe, but I don't really use the word pagan anyway. I wouldn't consider myself a pagan. I don't like that term. But obviously if I'm speaking to someone and I'm trying to very quickly say like uh, Indo-Europe, the tradition of the Indo-European people as it was practiced in Europe, I'm going to say pagan. I'm not going to say uh, that whole word salad. Yeah, I get that. So well, you're kind of using it then in the way that like the text would refer to the pagans. Like if you were reading like the Old Testament and they're talking about pagans, they're talking about this spe- specific yes. region. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you find that there's a lot of like truths found in it. So like, I don't know. Um, my knowledge of the Vedas is limited, but uh, so like, what specifically would you find? Did you find like, I don't know, is the is present there that wasn't present in like Judeo Christianity? Well, Judeo-Christianity has a lot of roots in Zoroastrianism, which is basically the the sort of schism. that There was a schism between Vedic practitioners that there was one that sort of became what we now know as like Hindus and Jains. Uh, there was another split off that sort of became what we know as Zoroastrianism, which greatly heavily influenced uh, the Jews when they were in Babylon. Um, and also the kingdom of Mitanni, which you could say is Vedic, you could say it's Zoroastrian. It was sort of a pre-schism sort of thing. There was a lot of violent ethnic conflict over this, but I would say that Judeo-Christianity in general is probably not so bad as most people make it out, especially on this side of Twitter. Um, I know I'm like a shit poster and I like to argue with them and be like uh, crazy, but I think that uh, you can definitely be a Judeo-Christian and still practice, not practice, but you can still understand like what I would call like like European Dharma or whatever, whatever mm. you want to call it. I, I don't think it's incompatible. I think that if you're like, you know, if you're a churchgoer and you're very dogmatic, I mean, anyone that's super dogmatic isn't going to be able to. There are a few people on Twitter who are Christian, but who still sort of follow this um, tradition. And obviously to me, it doesn't really make any sense. It's just sort of swapping these uh, words that already have you know, words for them in an Indo-European language with Semitic ones. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really get it, but some people seem to like it, and I guess it has more uh, mimetic virility when you're trying to convince people who are already Christian when you use, like, Abrahamic terms. Um, I'm not talking about your point, though. Let me talk about your point. Um, in terms of that, I think one thing that's really missing is the sort of uh, master morality. Mm-hmm. Um that's something that's definitely lost and that's even lost in Zoroastrianism. That's, that's really the biggest uh, defining line between Vedic thought and Zoroastrian thought, like more like, I guess you could call it Brahmin thought, but we're talking like 8,000 years ago, 7,000, 6,000, like very early bronze age, like uh, the time of when the Indus Valley is around, Mitanni is around this, that, that whole long period of like pre-antiquity, um, is when all these these books were written down, and they're all from oral tradition. Um, if you've read Arctic Home and the Vedas, uh, there's a lot of proof, or well, I don't know if it's proof, but there's there's a lot of evidence leading heavily towards these books being composed in the North Pole, which sort of rings true to the whole uh, Hyperborea uh, myth. Oh, all right. Speak more on that. So how did you, wait, where, what's the uh, proof for the uh, North Pole or like, what's like the reason why people intuit that? Uh, well, there's a lot of things about that. I'll, I'll just talk about some interesting things because I don't have like a book with me or any sort of yeah. notes. But one of the things is uh, the, the sleeping disorder. There's a sleeping disorder that's really common, circadian rhythm disorder, where you have like an extra hour and a half added onto your thing. And the reason for this at least hypothesized, is that it would be very beneficial if you were living that close to the North Pole to have a sleeping disorder like this because of the day-night cycle there. It's completely different. So if you have this, your circadian rhythm would be quite furnished to live there. Interestingly enough, also you would be uh, able to live on Mars. And they've, they've looked at people with this circadian rhythm disorder being sent to Mars as the first early colonist because they'd be able to adapt to it so much. You can just Google it right now. It's like the first result. It's like a like a fucking pop science thing. But the implications of that 
are really interesting, especially when you consider the the people who think that Mars used to have people on it. I don't know if that's true. I'm not going to discuss that, but mm. I think there's definitely something in there uh, that's interesting, especially mm. because of how common that is in Europeans. And also blue eyes. Blue eyes don't really make sense. I mean, the they were supposedly, um, as we've learned from genetics, uh, they supposedly came about 10,000 years ago. Everyone who has blue eyes, unless you have like Waldenberg syndrome or you're an albino, they share a common ancestor. I don't particularly know if the 10,000 years ago is exactly true, but what I do know is that there was one person who had blue eyes who passed it down, whether the mutation was unique to him or if he was simply the only person who was able to pass down that gene who survived and then a bunch of other people like him were killed and were not able to pass it down because the, the reason we know this is because it's the exact same gene it's like we can trace it through the through the genomic map right but uh we don't really know if that, that that's right where the mutation developed or if he simply was the only person to survive hmm. that thing so in my in my sense it doesn't really make sense for blue eyes to develop and propagate so much uh, around the Black Sea. It would make more sense for them to come about by like mammoth, big game, megafauna hunters who would be, you know, looking for animals very far up north where the day-night cycle is quite fucked up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, was to- I was told, I don't know if I was told, I don't remember where I got this from, probably from like VARS or something. Uh, Varg, but um, the the bloods had to do with the indigenous tribes in like the darkness of the woods of like uh, Germany and all the in the, like the Nordic areas. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't like Varg. <laughs> I I, uh, I just follow Varg because I like metal, so that's the only reason. Why. No, yeah, yeah, no. That that part of Varg's history is fucking badass. All that like, yeah. <laughs> all that shit is fucking base. He's just kind of like. I don't know. I, I think that he's definitely a good stepping stool into a lot of things, but I think the people who get like obsessed with him and like sort of like worship him are kind of kind of cringe. I think anyone who worships Twitter personality or YouTube personality is kind of cringe though, so... I tend to agree. Yeah, like, yeah. even like, even people who like follow me, I don't like doing that. It makes me like really uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't think most people do though. I, th- I mean, I guess some people do. They live off of like positive affirmation and shit like that, but I'm not like that. I'm pretty. I don't think. I, oh, yeah. On. I tend to think that in like the modern age, that that's actually a big sign of like, I don't know, it, the modern, <clears throat> I don't know, like the, my voice is dead, by the way. So sorry. It's going to go in and it's out. It's okay, man. <clears throat> but like the modern, like, uh, person who's like a netocrat, as like one of my first guests said, um, they kind of are. Away, from, moving away from like the cult of personality into more like network-based uh, interactions and like and like this play of like you know non. It's basically like the death of the individual and this focusing. Yeah. On network. No. Yeah, you're you're completely right. I've I've noticed that on Twitter, especially on these circles and maybe even a little bit on Discord, that people my age and younger are sort of going towards this like instead of cult of personality, it's like cult of aesthetics is what I've been noticing where like a bunch of people will have like similar aesthetics and a similar sort of worldview mm-hmm. and they'll sort of all latch on to that, but they won't latch on to like a, a cult of personality where they're worshiping people um, needlessly. And I think, I think that's really interesting, especially, I mean, it makes sense because all the people who are doing this uh, were raised on the internet. And I think mm-hmm. only really millennials were that were like, would, cause like millennials, they had pop stars and then they had the internet. So yeah, so the young millennials tend to be a little different. Like I'm, yeah, I'm like exactly. the bottom couple of years of millennial. What born were you? Or, or, uh, what year were you born? Ninety two. So, Ninety two. Yeah. Damn, you're old. I am old. Yeah. <laughs> you're a boomer. I'm basically. <laughs> I was born in uh, 1996. You want to dox me? Go ahead. A kill me. <laughs> so yeah, no. <clears throat> fortunately, I grew up on like message boards, so. I, yeah, no, I think I think that's good. If if like, were you, did you have the internet like really really young? Oh, like, day one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See that that's that's why you probably get along with the side of Twitter because I noticed that even like the Zoomers who don't who are like my age or younger who aren't like don't even have the internet in their house because they're like so poor. Their parents are like crazy millennials who are like you're never gonna use the internet or you're gonna see porn and you'll turn out like me or something <laughs> like those. Those kids just act like millennials because they just watch TV all day. 
yeah and like that's brain a dead. distinction i've noticed yeah. too. the tv versus the internet as your first like um communication outlet yeah they think their lives are movies or like sitcoms it's hellish I don't know what Zoomers think our lives are like, though. I guess uh, <laughs> I don't know. Reality. Yeah, reality TV. Life is IRL streaming. Yeah, Life is exactly. Ice Poseidon. <laughs> so that's cool. So wait. So also, you mentioned to, to go to bring us back to the point from earlier. So you're talking about like uh, genetic mutations from like uh, the North Pole, and then you mentioned Hyperboreans, which um, I hear sometimes use. Like I know, like mythologically that's associated with like a upper cast of like the Greek culture and like mythology. And then, but also people like to associate it with like the, the like missing Aryan tribe or like, uh, I hear it also completed with like Atlantis, Atlantis. So like, do you, what is your take on Hyperborea or Berea? What is my take? Um, I mean, when talking about like hyper history, um, I think that, and I'm, the only reason I'm saying this is because I know whatever I'm going to say, I'm going to get a bunch of fucking retards <laughs> so, like adding me for the next week about like how blah, blah, blah. If, if only you read this book, you will understand how stupid you are. You must read, read this siege. book or something. Yeah. You know, like I don't, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. So obviously when dealing with like hyper history, uh, you kind of just have to go off intuition um, and intuitively speaking. Uh, I think that there was definitely Hyperborea. I think that was in the North Pole. I don't think that was uh, something that's not there. I think it was just that the North Pole was likely temperate. Um, and I think that people definitely lived there. I think that even if it, like, during the Ice Age, people definitely lived there too. Um, regarding the story of Hyperborea as it relates to the Greeks, um, if, if we're taking a step back and going off of, like, the uh, Arianist theory, the story of Hyperborea could just be related to the civilization of, uh, there was like a Finno-Ugric tribe that came and it was around that, I like, because Hellas is the combination of an Indo, or a Indo-European tribe and another tribe. And there was, there was a fusion of some, like there was a Finno-Ugric, whatever, step writers that came and I've, I'm just speaking out of my ass right here because I'm sort of blazed, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I could see that being an explanation for that because there was obviously like Uralic people have an interesting civilization um, in history. And since they, they actually did invade Greece and subjugate some people and become like their aristocracy, so to speak, I could definitely see that story coming from there because as, as they would probably likely talk about it in a, you know, oh, remember the good old days when we didn't live in this hell, this Mediterranean hellhole or something. I could see it like that, but in, obviously that's taking maybe a more logical approach, uh, making a non-logical approach. I definitely think Hyperborea was real. Uh, I think Doggerland was real too. Um, What's Doggerland? Doggerland, well, when I say Doggerland is real, um, I mean, I think that there was definitely like probably like some sort of city or something or villages sort of like maybe like a pre-civilization sort of civilization and what I mean by pre-civilization civilization is like all of these like from Turkey to like the Indus Valley you would have these like cities that were basically cities but there wasn't like a hierarchy and we define a civilization by hierarchy so the first civilization was when like there was a natural hierarchy, but these like weird communal farming. Oh, that guy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did you yeah. pick that up on the mic? Hell yeah, dude. That guy is fucking badass. Um, when you, when you, oh, fuck, I forgot what I was talking about. Uh, hierarchy and civilization. Yeah, hierarchy and civilization. In a, like, this, like, civilization and hierarchy um, is is what civilization is. So all of these weird communal, like Neolithic cities, they didn't consider civilizations. And I reckon that there probably was some on Doggerland. If that was Thule, that would make sense to me. I don't know if that was Thule though. Thule could just be in the North Pole that could be related to the same Hyperborean myth. Um, but that being Thule would also make sense. I don't think that Atlantis is the North Pole, but it would make sense that those stories have been conflated so much. I mean, I think that obviously the Ice Age 
wiped away a lot of stuff, and especially the Younger Dryas effect and the end of the Ice Age wiped away a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's why everyone has like a, a flood myth. Yeah, and and that's really hard to explain to a lot of people who don't read about this stuff and have only taken history classes because most people, especially uh, Europeans or in, in English speakers, they think, oh, you're talking about the biblical flood. And if they don't like Christian Christianity, they just think that the flood never happened and there was no massive uh, geological change that happened at the end of the Younger Dryas period where supposedly civilization right after started. Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it didn't exist and we were chipping flint and then it just supposedly started and then there was the fucking pyramids of Giza out of nowhere in the Sphinx mm-hmm. and all these and all these pyramids everywhere I, I don't I don't buy it yeah but, no there's a lot of there's a lot more evidence these days that there were previous civilizations and yeah there was a fucking comet yeah and then obviously even like Grand Hancock who's getting a lot more attention now has like shown has shown a lot more stuff and there's like that stuff in Turkey and as you're as you're mentioning so yeah I'm, yeah. I'm more. Uh, I'm definitely becoming more uh, open to the idea that there was a, a massive flood, and that's why it shows up in, the, in like most cultures, and that's why civilization kind of sprung, sprung up so sporadically afterwards, or so. Yeah. Quickly. I mean, even the Sahara was a fucking like jungle. Mm-hmm. So, and that's like recent history, but just no one fucking talks about it. Like, there's there's so many things that are that are just unexplainable that that we like to pretend are explainable because you can go on Wikipedia and you can look up the fucking Sphinx or you can look up the pyramids of Giza or you can go and look up uh, the, what the fuck are they called? The Tiki heads. Um, yeah. The, whatever. Um, Easter Island. Yeah. You can, you can go and look these up and look at the carbon dating and just be like, well, the carbon dating says that this is that many years old. So this is that many years old, but then you have all these instances where it's not accurate or it's completely wrong. And I think that some people will take this to mean, oh, carbon dating as a entirely is wrong. I don't think that's true either, but I definitely think that there are things where it's wrong. And there are things that like, I think specifically, I might be talking on my ass here, but I think specifically with the, with the heads, because they're made out of like solid stone, they have to, they had to carbon date stuff like around it to try and guess because there was literally no way to get an accurate carbon reading from the thing itself that had to do with the site. And that's the case with a lot of things. Like if you look up Sphinx older or newer than previously thought, or wait, no, older is what I mean. Like it, it was built a long time ago, farther mm-hmm. than we thought. And even the pyramids of Giza, there are people who argue for it being much older, but then if it's much older, then that means that it predates the younger Dryas, and that means that it was built during the Ice Age, which doesn't make sense to people because that doesn't fit with the accepted uh, historical cosmology right mm-hmm. now. But uh, no, keep going. I don't know. I was just, I was just saying, like, there, there. Are, I think the biggest issue is just like midwits being in universities and and thinking that we've we're at the end of history, is that yeah. we figured it all out. That is a that is becoming funny enough. You and Maya have put me onto the midwit theory, and I feel like it explains so much more than it than it like at first. Like it just feels like a shit post, but then you're like, no, actually, this definitely solves a lot of uh, answers a lot of the issues I'm having. Yeah, I can't. I don't think either of us can take credit for that. I think maybe on this part of Twitter, but for a while it was sporadically used on a like poll and stuff. I think the first time. I ever heard the term midwit used was what the fuck was that blogger's name called? There was this blogger that coined the term. It was an article from like 2004 about high, it was called why high IQ people are silly. And it was talking about people with 110 to 130 IQ. It didn't mean people pass that. It meant why are, why are people 110 to 130 IQ so easily able to be convinced of like propaganda and why do they why do they have such a good ability to rationalize things that their entire body and vision are telling them are not true? Um, I think was it fucking Vox Pop? Am I thinking of Vox Popular? I don't know if he coined it. There was also the the guy who wrote Genius Famine, which is a really good book. If anyone's what's the name of the book? This, Genius what? Genius Genius Famine. It's by um fuck I don't know what his name is. It's no, uh look it up in that. Carlton. 
he the guy who did the scientific hypothesis journal and then he got kicked off because of a scandal because he the fuck i forget what it's called i remember the story very vaguely because i read this so many years ago probably was when i was like 17 but the guy ran a medical journal where he basically explored all things all medical theories that were non like weird mm-hmm. like huh this is interesting i'm gonna publish it and that was what he would do um and so it was obviously like a you know more like a mia like if mia had a like a medical journal or i had a medical yeah. journal it was sort of exploring things that went against the dogma and then he got kicked off of it and he created it but he got kicked off of it because he was in the uk it was like an official thing yeah. um and he got kicked off of it for i think i think it was he said something about aids or hiv and it caused like a massive shitstorm, and he got kicked off of it but he was he's still very intelligent he i think he's a mormon now he converted to mormonism and he yep. thinks that uh mormons are gonna save the world That's so funny. yeah he's i don't know he's really interesting. Their I, yeah <laughs> i don't know I, I would recommend that book, and I and I think that all also ties very highly into the whole the whole uh, the dimwit topwit midwit thing. Um, there's I mean there's there's a lot of articles from like 2008 2009. I, I remember that term being used quite a lot on um, like, the, like like those BBS forums that were like that were like history like EUpedia and shit where people would talk anthro anthro whatever there was an anthropology site that was really popular that always had like um fan theories and stuff like there was that one dude who was like convinced that the goturk ruins and the futhark ruins had the same root which is actually really interesting but it's interesting because i never got into uh anthropology funny the the one archaeology anthropology course i took in college i like hated it and it's a whole other story but it is i it is clear that you've clearly been like super interested like what got you into anthropology and like archaeology <laughs> at such a young age it seems like it's very like old and like old vibe to it um okay so i was like so i was like a bab or whatever you're what i'm babe i was like a bab i was like a baby you know i'm like i'm like a oh. baby and i'm like succulent baby and then i was like maybe like five or six and i went to what was that store called that had games, but it wasn't a game. It was like fucking Staples. I went to Staples and uh, Age of Empires. I'm not joking, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> Age of, well, I know, but this, this sounds like a fucking bit. Usually I, I'm really good at lying like this, just like full course. So that's why I'm saying that I'm not kidding. Um, I was at Staples and I bought Age of Empires. Uh, it was either one or two. And I went home and I played it and I was like, holy fuck, this is cool shit. And I like remember just like reading all of the the histories. And so I was, and this was before I really even saw like fucking kids movies and shit. So that, like that was really the first thing that was ever interesting to me was, was history itself. Uh-huh. And then uh, I had like a, I don't know, I, that's basically what did it. I played a lot of uh, grand strategy games when i was in my early teens i don't really play games anymore i i that was very similar towards me in the late teens i had to stop actually because civilization was like taking over my life and yeah it, it, it was really bad i would start the game at like 2 p.m and then next thing you know it was like 8 a.m and i was like what the fuck is going on yeah literally i would do that with <laughs> i would do that with u3 and victoria too i would like i would like play it for like 12 hours and I, I specifically, I like modded the game for me and my friends so that we could, so we didn't have to do that. And it was like, and then it actually was really fun, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't play games anymore. Yeah. I, I feel like it, it's important in, in some respect when you're younger, but definitely ideally you kind of grow out of it and start doing something more productive. Yeah. I mean, I think with, I think with EU3 specifically, I think that the most, what I did probably the most during EU3 was like either, or EU4 and EU3, I guess, both of them was treating it like a, uh, like a world, like a, like an interactive uh, historical world atlas. Um, when I started playing EU3, like a very long time ago, there wasn't a site like that. I think there is now it's called like geocron.com. Mm-hmm. And it goes, it goes back to like 3000 BC and you can, you can just click every single year and you can see basically what was going on in the world and like borders and stuff, which is really interesting. That is really interesting. Uh, yeah. And it's, I think, 
for anyone that's interested in any sort of like history or anything, if I mean even philosophy, politics, really anything, you should, I know it's like autistic, and I'm probably autistic for like being the type of person to just fucking spend like five hours looking at a an interactive uh, atlas and like looking at how things change and wondering why that was. But if you're interested in this stuff, you really should because I'm not like a I, can, I like reading things and obviously like I can read things and it makes sense but seeing it is a lot different and I think that it really gives like a different feeling so like maps and stuff and visual visual things showcasing history and showing how things change uh, is really important and I think that everyone should look at stuff like that because it's a lot different from like reading about the Goths to seeing what actually they did or like reading about the Mongols like, you know, you can read, oh, the Mongols conquered half the world in, like, a year, but if you click on a thing, you can actually see, oh, it did this, and this was a few years, and then, oh, everything fucking collapses. You can see Alexander's empire, like, split and fall apart, and you can, like, see, like, the little tiny Indo-Greek states, like, slowly, like, you know, I think it's, like, 400 years later, they're still fucking there, but they're, like, reduced to these, like, tiny little city-states it's really interesting and you can you can find so many things in history that you never had any idea about like just very strange little cultures that are just a a a speck in the world in, hmm. in terms of like everything else it's really cool i mean i i like history i i think that everyone should be interested in history to some degree especially their own history um i did a youtube video about that because i was mad because some chinese person was telling me about how great white people were or something like sucking sucking european history dick and it made me like want to like fucking vomit because i i just want people to like respect their themselves mm -hmm. and uh i don't think that a non-white person sucking the dick of like white cultures is uh cool i like i think there's a lot of people on this side of of twitter that think that's cool but i don't I think that it's gross when any race does it. I think they should just be proud of themselves, not like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I'm not a white supremacist, so I don't, maybe that's why. <laughs> no, that's fair. I mean, it, I, I'm quickly finding, well, not that I really thought, but like much of the the if people who get labeled white supremacists are generally not, though your anime Nazi avatar is probably not a great, not a great uh, signal if you're not trying to come across that way. No, it's a it's a Buddhist wheel of peace. Oh, okay, gotcha. Is it actually? I just I just saw like a little like uh, I don't know. It looks which like which which one are you talk are you talking about the eighty eight because that stands for Hail Hitler. So that's probably what you're talking about. It might be. <laughs> the it, might, it was an older, older avatar. But uh, uh -oh. so speaking of so with um so you were talking a second ago about like civilization becomes a civilization with hierarchy so i remember i found you because of a thread you made about caste structures and or like caste systems and modernity and then like i guess eye color was involved there so like can you bring that up i couldn't find the thread when i was looking for it but oh you found me about that eye color chart was that just the chart but did you not make a thread about it too um I probably made a thread relating vaguely to it, but uh, I didn't make that image. I just uh, I just ship her for that. So. No. Yeah. Because I think I remember. Yeah, I know the, the chart definitely. I know you didn't make, but I remember just being like uh, interested in like the idea of like the, the caste system having like maybe it wasn't you know, a physio physiognomy, physio whatever physical Physon like um, physiognomy. I think physiognomy, I think it's pronounced yeah. physiognomy. It's I don't like um. I don't like uh like none of them fancy Greek or Latin words. You can just call it people looking or something. People something. looking, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> it has like a people looking uh, attribute to it. So, like, yeah. Like, like on like caste systems and. Um, this is. I mean, this is such a hard topic to discuss because so many people don't have the ability to like. I'm not trying to be mean, but a lot of people just don't have the ability to like understand abstract thought very well um and, if, no, that's very and, true. <laughs> and so when you start talking about hierarchy um you start delving into things that are like things within things within things and hierarchies within hierarchies within hierarchies and that starts to become very very confusing for people to wrap their heads around so most people will either flat out reject it 
because you cannot possibly ever understand every single hierarchy. So they're just like, well, then there's no hierarchy. Or they find one hierarchy or like meta analysis, meta typology of like how people are, and they just roll with it. Like, um, obviously, you know, everyone with blue eyes is not a fucking king or a fucking priest like that's that's insane but there there are obviously some wignats that believe stuff like that but then on the flip side there are people that believe that physical traits mean absolutely nothing and obviously this this mindset was very common that they did mean something um, a long time ago as as we've come in the 20th and 21st century that's sort of gone away but with the advent of like ai and not specifically just ai but like quantum neural networking ai that can accurately I'm hearing the lot of clicking. Wait, sorry. I'm hearing the 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 staticking sound again. Was it fucking? It was. Did it sound bad? Oh, you know, it just. Well, we just couldn't hear what you were saying. So wait. Okay. So quantum AI. Um, I mean, specifically with the advent of like quantum networking, neural AI, I think that it's uh like you can accurately predict uh like uh personality traits. You can predict if someone's a homosexual. You can predict many of these things that when you say to someone, oh, did you know that you can tell that someone's gay by how they look? Or you can tell someone's maybe social class by how they look. They'll say, oh, you're fucking crazy. But now it's not so much crazy because there's fucking AIs that you can just upload your picture to. But the thing is, it was never generally true. The thing is, it was never crazy because I know my freshman year of college, my psych teacher literally did this experiment and like flashed pictures on the screen. And everyone could tell sexual rotation, the political leanings within like a second of the seeing the person. Yeah, and honestly, like I even remember doing that in school. But then, but then when you actually go out in like a non-academic thing and you say that, people just start screaming at you that you're like a racist or you're like bigoted, like oh, you're judging people. Like you can't, you can't judge people based on immutable characteristics, and those immutable characteristics don't mean anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that's true. Uh, but going back to your question, tying it in, um, I think that obviously cast, there's, there's, there's like de jure cast and there's de facto cast. Um, I don't know if that's the best word for it, but like oh, obviously yeah. there's like in society as we stand right now, you have uh, an elite, which is predominantly Ashkenazi. Um, and those are the highest caste of society. Are their traits high caste? Well, in subjective to them, they are, and a lot of people will even mimic those traits. Obviously, they will sometimes try and mimic European traits to seem more like uh, like relatable, but I don't think that's because they view those traits as beautiful. I think that it's because it makes them more marketable when they don't have traits that make them look like, uh, uh, you know, like they're Ashkenazi. They want to look like Gentiles, so they so they look like Gentiles because it makes them more, you know, relatable. Um, but obviously, I don't think that, I think that definitely the, the, the physical and the metaphysical are one. So I think that anything that you see in real life has a dual, you know, behind the veil sort of thing. So the way people look, things about their face, obviously some are, some are very, uh, physical oriented they they don't have any sort of meaning um like jaw stuff specifically like like from how from a i mean that's not even true because that that could relate to spiritual stuff too because that's your karma to be brought up in an agricultural society that fucks up your jaw i mean i don't know i think that it all has some meaning and i i think you can't deny that but what has meaning and what doesn't is is probably more complicated obviously this isn't a science so I, and this is really an intuitive thing until AI, like, typology gets a lot better. Um, and I mean, it is. Yeah, but, no, it is, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think I saw one recently where it could kind of accurately predict your, like, five, big five traits. Like, yeah, the agreeableness, conscientious. Big five is, they're doing a lot of stuff where it's very clear in your, phys- in your physical, in your people looking. Uh that yeah. traits are like I have very high disagreeableness and alleg- and allegedly that's very clear. Um, yeah, I have I have uh when I take that test it gives me like zero conscientiousness and like hundred percent extroversion. Yeah, I'm really disagreeable. I have really low agreeableness too. Yeah, the <laughs> kind of makes that uh accentuates that. 
I will see to some degree I agree with that, but that's only if you grew up on like message boards like we did, where yeah. where it didn't have like your fucking I work at Panda Express and I'm a tweeter and tweets are not, you know, fucking endorsements, blah, blah, blah. Like those people are very agreeable, I would say. Definitely. You know, I, I really miss the flame wars of old. Like I just don't, people who nowadays just don't understand like how much fun it was to like be in endless page arguments. No. Yeah. Like people and people also have like, like huge egos about it too. Like on, if you get mad on the internet, obviously it's like funny as fuck but like people you can like read like 2004 flame wars between people arguing about like whether fucking honeydew melons are better than like watermelons and they're like threatening to like kill each other's family in all caps and if you if you're like a facebook person and you like and you've never really used message boards you'll read that and be like oh my god this is so crazy i can't believe people back then were so hateful and violent but in reality, those people were bold face giggling while typing that stuff, and exactly. <laughs> just and that's what was happening. But people, a lot of people on Twitter don't even realize that. Like, if you start using all like all caps, they're like, "You're fucking mad, bro!" Like, you're you're. But then they type in like like perfect fucking grammar, and they and they and they add like a superfluous. That's a very funny word because it means the the word itself is superfluous, but. <laughs> so it's stupid to use but they use like very like uh french words when i when they're when they're angry i've noticed a lot of people like a lot of these midwits on twitter use with the more anger they get the more french words they use <laughs> just an observation you can't be really you can't, you can't express true anger anymore because you get insta banned on or suspended or it's really no yeah like i well i don't know i'm i can't believe that i haven't gotten banned yet but i think it's because I'm not, I don't like, I know how to like not get angry. Well, I don't get angry at the internet, but I think maybe some people do where they just think it's funny to like, to, I don't know, say like the N word, like at like Obama or something. Yeah, and then it's a suicide. They're committing suicide. They're, they're martyring themselves. Um, I, I mean, that's usually what I think is the issue is that these people name on Twitter is like, gas the kikes 1488 and like <laughs> and then they're like i don't understand how i got banned this is so fucked up twitter is censoring conservative personalities <laughs> like i don't know i i think that it's really easy not to get banned on twitter um i don't think that it's really that difficult um i think that obviously like you can't get mad though like you do have to watch how you act because like there are so many times on Twitter where the person arguing with me is like doesn't even there's this thing that happens a lot on Twitter which I which I like it's kind of like YouTube comments where like someone will you'll talk to someone and then someone randomly will reply to what you're saying and what they're saying like they're arguing something that you can't even abstractly and empathetically understand how they arrived to that conclusion thinking that's what you meant and then you wonder if their first language is English, and then you find out it is, and you're just sitting there like, I don't even understand how this person thought what I was saying meant what he thinks it was saying. And then the argument or conclusion that predicates that is like so stupid that you don't know whether to reply and argue against a stupid point, but then vindicating that he thought the weird thing that he thought you were saying was right or to just call him like a retard but you can't call him a retard because he'll know he'll report you but if i was on discord or some other like telegram or some other platform or on an old bbs forum you just say light him up you just say you're a fucking retard (laughs) like and that's it and then you just go about your day but on twitter you have to like you kind of have to like I've I do this a lot when I'm when I'm arguing with people like uh you have to like play the midwit you yeah. have to like act like them like I don't like I don't like being the type of person to like link fucking medical articles to prove my point I, I just like having discussions I don't like having debates and arguments it's very reddit tier yeah it's very reddit tier so but but there are certain people who like will literally like you'll say like just google this just literally just look up what i'm saying and there there are plenty of people with phds who 
are taking this concept seriously and have done medical studies and then they like, won't believe you so you just have to like send them like 50 fucking medical journals you just have to look up like like this happens a lot when i'm talking about genetics on twitter because mm-hmm. people people still think it's they're posting on like upedia in like 2000 before we sequenced the human genome which i think was 2014 2013 Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't realize how much, how, like, how much progress we've made in trying to figure out, like, the, the genetic histories of populations that before we only had sort of vague ideas from linguistic traits. We know way more now, and it's fascinating to really understand the history of all these complex people. I mean, obviously, like, even, like, the Australian Aboriginals, we thought they were monolithic, and it turns out that there's about three Dist- very, very genetically distinct groups that came together to make Australian Aboriginals, and the the three main Australian Aboriginal groups, the uh, the northern ones, southern ones, and the the, the desert ones, like the Bushmen ones. Um, I guess I'm not not I shouldn't call them Bushmen because that usually means Khoisan, but the the ones in the bush. Um, they all have very different like um, physiognomy. They have different like ways that they're adapted to their environment. It's really interesting. Um, but for a long time, anthropologists thought, just thought they were basically one group, but it, it turns out they have very different histories. Um, and that there were even those pygmies that lived in the islands off of one of the little, I think it was Darwin or something. There were like little pygmy people, just like the Negritos of uh, uh, the Pacific, Indonesia and Malaysia mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and I, it's just really interesting. And I think that a lot of people don't touch this, especially in my sphere, at least the, the sort of dumb ones, the dumb right-wingers won't touch this. But I think that one of the really most interesting things um, in support of, like, uh, specifically, like, race realism and stuff is just looking at how much research they've done on Australian Aboriginals and Africans. And it's really interesting. Like, I, whenever I will meet, like, um, like, and I meet this a lot, like, I'll, I'll, I'll meet, I'll meet people who are, like, yeah, Australian Aboriginals, they are, they're black, or they're, uh, they're, they're fucking niggers, or whatever, but I think it's, I think it's really retarded, because they're not, they're not related to them at all, mm-hmm. and, and especially when dealing with, like, Khoisan, Khoisan, they're not Bantus, when people refer to black people, they're referring to specifically Bantus, right, and a lot of, Wait, a lot of, so, isn't Bantu, like, the southern region, though? No, no, Bantus are from specifically the, uh, I guess the the Gold Coast area, the Ivory mm-hmm. Coast, Gold Coast. Yeah, they're 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 from the the very far, uh, thinking geog- the the western part of Africa, like right under the Sahara where mm-hmm. uh, Liberia is. That's where the Bantu homeland is, and that's mm-hmm. and they they migrated by the time that we took slaves. They had migrated down to basically like. Uh, what is it fucking? It's not it's uh, Angola. South Africa. Because I, 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 for some reason, I feel like I remember reading about uh, Bant- the Bantu like in and around South Africa. I'm just making that up. No, 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 no. The the Bantus are from South Africa. Oh, okay. The the they're, like this is one of the really interesting stories of history, is that the the Bantu tribes, um, of uh Western Africa slowly and like violently conquered their way south basically ethnically exterminating the Khoisan and Pygmy peoples um by the time that the British had colonized southern Africa and the Dutch had been there the they the you know how like when the British met the Zulu and all that the tribe that the Zulu were chasing were Khoisan people they were capoids they were and that's that was sort of the whole history of this whole migration trend was them slowly coming and conquering these people i mean even in south africa today you still have the khoisan and khoisan descendant people allying with the whites because they see the bantus as the oppressors even in uh in zimbabwe you have the matabili who are a bantu tribe and you have the shona who are mostly a capoid tribe and the matabili were the ones who were in favor of taking over the government of Rhodesia and the Shona were the ones who were more loyal to the whites and were usually protected by them because they liked them. But the thing is, that's interesting, is that the Capoids have much lower IQs than the Bantu people, but the Khoisan are able to eat 2,000 to 3,000 calories just surviving naturally in the environment. And they can perfectly remember 
their pathways and they, it's it's insane they are they're so interesting um and but the thing is that the bantu considered them basically as fauna there there are there are um there are like quotes of like zulu zulu people like kingsmen and stuff talking about how the khoisan are essentially fauna and that they oh. they hate them they're they're subhuman they're dumb they don't like them at all and it's it's just really interesting the story of all these places that and i think it's important for a lot of these people in this sphere to, to learn about this stuff because I, I don't think it's a good look when you when you just call everyone from Africa black or like any or like anyone that's skin color is black black I don't I think black obviously means something very specific and I except the racial categories in the U.S. are much different than than like yeah. actual cultural character categories yeah I mean even white as a term is very like like specific and people will pretend that it's not when it's convenient for them but then at other times they'll pretend that it it does mean european but then other times they'll say well asians are white and all these other people are white and it's like okay well what does white mean and then they they use that argument but i that's why just use the term indo-european and then it makes sense Mm -hmm. then you're like oh okay that makes sense to me like simple as like even with like i think the terms black and white are pretty stupid i don't I think that people who latch onto those past, like, past trying to appeal to like dumb people, like behind closed doors, I guess is what I'm saying. If if you really latch onto these terms behind closed doors as like a, as like a, a god, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I think it's it's not a it's not a good look. It's kind of cringe because it's not reality. Mm-hmm. Like I've 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 literally been called like a fucking like like a lib cuck before because I was trying to explain to someone that the Khoisan were not black or that the Ethiopians were not like black or Somalians weren't black because mm-hmm. they're a completely different distinct genetic group from Bantu people. So and that's, I don't know. That is, no, that is interesting. So um, the, that would imply, I mean, the, which makes perfect sense, but like still it seems like unintuitive that there's like significantly more like racial subgroups than we would have, otherwise like mentioned right so like right now we kind of like make lines based on nationalities and like you know or like regions right like mediterranean versus i don't know whatever this part of like europe or whatever but like in in, if we're going by like the genome and like the different like i don't know um haploid groups then that would imply that there's like dozens of of racial sub subcategories or whatever Oh yeah, I mean definitely. There's, there's. You can, you can take the genetic distance information and you can plug in like uh, different parameters. Like I, I have an image that I from the this one Harvard study that was a different uh, total genomic study worldwide concludes that there are like about three. I'm trying to remember the name of the study exactly, but I'll, I'll find it. It's, it's a Harvard study that conducted research from a conglomeration of a bunch of genomic studies put in the description afterwards okay i will um and that's and, and it concludes it, it does the whole like all of these different ethnic groups from every single continent in the world and you can look at every single level of uh of like data crunching so if you look at k2 you have only two races you have uh Eurasians and you have Africans and that's that's it simple as you can keep going over and over and over and you slowly start to see this divide and you can literally keep going until like a hundred now the study that I linked doesn't do that and I don't have the software from <laughs> from the uh, from the study to do this if I did I would and uh, I, I kind of want to sometimes I want to go and pursue a PhD just to do studies like this um, and to get access to the software um, but the study goes up to 32, K, K equals 32. And even just looking at that is, is so interesting to see how, how many different parts of what you would think is a monolithic ethnic group are actually a bunch of different tribes, a bunch of different families. I mean, you can really keep going up and up and it becomes so interesting to see. I mean, it's just, it's history. It's right there. It's, it's your genetic history. It's, it's how these people's history affect themselves. I mean, you can like just going on there and looking at that image, for instance, yellow means Asian. Well, I don't, I don't know if that was racist of them because that's not my color. That's what they put. So I just want all the haters, (laughs) racist, Asian, Asian on the thing is, is yellow. American too is also red. So I don't know about that, but European (laughs) is blue. 
Um, African is brownish red. Again, I don't know about that. And uh, yeah, and like green, green and purple are essential. Well, purple is like a like Australoid. Um, and you can just look at these populations, like Central Asian populations specifically. I think are the most interesting because a lot of these populations, like Turkic and Tatars, and all those all those Central Asian populations that had so much mixing from all the massive steppe conates. You can look at one that has maybe ten percent. Uh, at like K twenty, it would be like North European, like another ten percent. Uh, uh, that Iranian Chal Chalithic. I call it Elamoid. Um, because I don't like saying that whole long word. And that was basically the first civilization where those people existed. Yeah. Um, Mesopotamia like, area? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. In that sort of area, Elamoids. There's, cause, well, because there's two different Neolithic groups. There's the Mediterranean Neolithics, and then there's the Iranian Neolithics. And they both are kind of genetically different. They have the same root ancestor, which is also the same ancestor that the uh, North Europeans what they're called, North Europeans, are called, and the same root ancestor that the A&E people have, which is the ancient North Eurasian people. Um, they, they all share, like, a root ancestor, um, but varying degrees of, of going into Europe and doing it. But as I was saying, you can, you can look at these percentages, and you just, just look up, like, um, like I, don't, fuck, I don't have the image in front of me, but, like, Hutu, Butu, whatever, and you'll look at Hutu, Butu, and then you'll look at Buku, Muku, and Buku, Muku, it's 30% European, and 70% Asian or whatever. It's 70% Mongolian, but then you'll have one that's like 70% Siberian and 30% European. And for a lot of people, they don't see much difference between, at least in their mind's eye, between maybe a Siberian and a Mongolian, but they, they clade as, or they, they, they group as different clades. Mm -hmm. um, and when you start to notice the differences, you I can definitely tell the difference between just just this little tiny percentage of this or that, or you can swap out, like you can start to tell when people have just little tiny amounts of admixture. I do this every single day. I'm I'm fucking probably crazy, but when I look at people, I try to guess what their what their heritage is. And usually in America, I'm right. When I guess, I'm like like, are you Slavic? Are you like are you like half Slavic, half like? French and they'll be like I am I don't know how you knew that you're creepy and I'm not gonna talk to you anymore <laughs> but yeah I don't like I, it's it's interesting and it's something that instantly clicks in your pattern recognition like uh, software in your head uh, it's, especially when you start to see the percentages and you start to understand like oh the Finnish have more A&E component and they have a very slight uh like something like three or four percent uh like mongoloid admixture and then the Danish people and Norwegians and Swedes don't have that. Um, but then those ones have a little bit of the Sami admixture, the Norwegians and Swedish, which the Danish don't do. And then you start to realize why Swedes, Danish, Norwegians, and Finnish, and even Estonians all look kind of similar, but you can really distinctly point out. And you can even tell if someone's from the north of those countries or the south mm -hmm. of those countries. It's the same thing with Germans or English people. Um, you can, especially with English people, with English people, it's very easy. It might be because I'm an Anglo, but you can really tell when someone, even in America, is descended from what type of Anglo family they're descended from, whether they're from lower class or upper class, um, if they're from uh, an aristocratic family, if they're Norman. Like the Norman, the Norman genes are very, 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 very obvious with those. Mm. The, the, the typical like Anglo beady eyed, black, greasy hair sort of thing is very typically Anglo. Mm. Like Oswald Mosley, 100% Norman Anglo. I, you know, love the guy, but it's true. Interesting. So, yeah, that, that, so at the end of the day, there's like, it, it's much like, uh, What's the? I guess like the parallel would be like dogs or cats, where after our self domestication, we kind of are left with like a bunch of subspecies and varieties that are very that have distinct features that one could like parse out if you actually take the time to like to follow the lineage. Yeah, like there's there's so much mixing within humans, and like the way that. I think people really misunderstand evolution because they, they don't realize that inbreeding and outbreeding both play a very, very important factor in the development of specific ethnic groups. Um, most of the examples of rapid evolution that we've observed over the past 
50 or so years, like the, the one with the, the lizard in the Mediterranean Sea that they transplanted to another island that was 50 miles away, that within, I think, 30 years of the study had gone from being a bug-eating uh, lizard to developing a cecum and being able to digest leaves and became oh, wow. fully vegetarian. Um, there's also the instance of in the Galapagos Islands, there was a bird that one of the, that went to one of the other islands for some reason, and then mated with, and we observed this happen, it was a single male bird flew something like 10, 20 kilometers to another Galapagos Island, mated with a female, which is very rare because usually cross uh, species stuff doesn't happen, then had kids, and then the kids all bred with each other and the parents, and then it created like a weird ethnic clade, and then they, they almost all died except one or two, and it was a male, and then one of his, I think one of his kids, like his, his female kids, and they had like 20 kids, and they, and then at, at, from those 20 kids, the population kept itself alive. I think it's, it's a black, blackbird Galapagos rapid evolution. If you look that up, you'll see what I'm talking about. People, and this is, this is like this, an entirely new genetic hybrid clade formed itself in 30 fucking years, and a lizard developed a fucking cecum to uh, digest plant matter. I mean, I, I think that people have a, have a misconstrued idea of evolution, especially when it, when it comes into retroviruses even. I mean, how the fuck did that lizard get it? I would say it's probably a retrovirus or some sort of parasite. Actually, I think in the, in the study they did, they said that the, the, the lizard had digested some sort of parasite that had been, that, ne that now all of them had this parasite that helped them digest plant matter as well as the cecum. So oh. I, I, I think that it, a lot of people, especially when looking at humans and thinking about all the bottleneck events that we've had, I mean, how many times have, has the blackbird situation happened for humans or even the lizard situation? In one situation, there's a ton of inbreeding and a hybridization. In another one, it's just simple, simple uh, environmental factors that, that somehow, I don't fucking know how, and I think that any fucking geneticist that tells you that they know how is lying to you. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues is that you have all of these people who it's within their own ego's uh, fucking prerogative. It's their MO to like pretend that they know what the fuck is going on. I don't know anything. I'm a fucking retard. I think most people are retards. And I, I think that all that matters is I think that once things stop being interesting to you, your, your, your head is too far up your ass. If nothing, if nothing is interesting to you and there's, there's no theories that interest you and that the world just makes complete sense, then you're fucking, you're just up your own ass. And I think a lot of people are like that where they just, they get so stuck in their ways and especially with evolution. And it's such a hard thing to talk about because people don't really understand it, but it's, it's fascinating with, with stuff like the rapid evolution. I mean, especially when just looking at humans, I mean, just, just how much, um, there was that book that got recommended to me. I didn't read it, but I read the so I read the I read the review, which basically went through the whole thing about how America was descended from I think four distinct genetic groups, and those four distinct genetic groups from England really really shaped the course of American history. It was like Puritans, uh, Quakers, uh, and Borderers. I guess it was just three. Maybe like the Scots Irish in the South, and oh. yeah, and and I, that's. Well, the Scots Irish were the borderers. The borderers, okay. Yeah, because because I guess they're from the border between England and Scotland. They're not actually Scots or Irish. They're just uh, they're just Anglo-Saxons from the border who then got sent to Northern Ireland to colonize it. And then the people who were there were like, "I don't want you here," and they sent them like all en masse. They got deported. Like it was the biggest amount of like uh, people that had ever come to the U.S. at that point. And, they, and then they went to uh, Pennsylvania, which is where the whole border thing started. And the people in Pennsylvania, the Quakers, didn't like them because they were, this was like the first migrant crisis, I guess, in America's history. But they, they, they were like, yeah, we don't like you. We're going to kick you out to the Appalachian Mountains. And then they were, they were so good at living in the Appalachian Mountains and like on the they're front. Still there. Yeah, they're, they're still there. Because their entire history was just them getting fucking massacred by... British and, or I guess English and Scottish kings, just because they happen to be on the border. Yeah, 
Well, that's I tend to agree with the uh, the notion that everyone's kind of has a lot of people have their head up their ass, and clearly, like the rhetoric around evolution has been taken to like a like biblical level, and as such, they people have a hard time like treating it like it actually is like a the uh, a theory regarding evidence, and then that it should be malleable because of it, and like Darwinism isn't like its own religion in, in and of itself. Yeah, you have too many people who just worship the idea of evolution and don't even want to think about, like, it's just like, oh, I don't know, it's just, there are so many things that are just very obviously, I feel like a lot of people just don't think, and I like, I don't know, like, That is very true, a lot of people just don't think. And, or, or a lot of people don't think, and then their first, their first initial reaction or, like, thought process in response to the thought they had was to be like, well, that doesn't make sense, so I guess it's the exact opposite. And that's what I'm going to believe forever, concretely, black and white, dogmatically. Like, it's you, you have, like, two sides of the scene. Sounds like Reddit. Yeah, exactly. Like, on Reddit, you, and that's, that's why you have all those fucking retards on Reddit. They're, they're either, like, they suck Darwin's dick, and they're like, this is the coolest thing in the world, or you have the creationists who are like, this is the coolest, this is the right thing, and this is the coolest thing in the world. And there's no, there's no agreeing, there's no like middle ground between those two things. Yeah. Or, and I don't know, I just, I think that specifically how this all plays into evolution and stuff, it's so cool um, to actually read about and talk about, especially retroviruses. I think that anyone who's interested in this, look up retroviruses and their role in human evolution, uh, not just human evolution, but evolution in general. Um, there's so many theories that would explain so many very vastly strange things in the, uh, the I guess, mammalian biome um, that would be easily explained by retroviruses that we can't answer now. And I think that's, just look into it. It's, it's very interesting. And it, it, it fills up a lot of the holes and explains a lot of the, the evidences of, of rapid evolution where it's not like a genetic clade uh, inbreeding and then outbreeding. It's, a, it's like a, a genetic clade that just randomly, I don't know, they, they don't have any food. And so these little lizards start munching on leaves. And within 60 years, somehow these fuckers have a developed sesum that can <laughs> like fucking digest plant matter which is, it's just, in, and there's, there's not a single thing within their entire order of species that has a season. Like, it's just, I don't know how this stuff happens. Yeah, it's a mystery to us. We don't, we don't know nearly as much as we think we do. But yeah. uh, that we're getting towards the, uh, the, the time limit here. But uh, thank you very much for coming on. This was, like, this very fascinating. Um, do you have anything you're working on right now or, like, anything you want to, like, promote? Uh, no. I mean, I, I'm working... I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say I'm working. I just, once in a while I get, uh, I get sort of, uh, the desire to do stuff and I, and I do it, but I wouldn't say that I'm like actively working on anything. I just, I do stuff as I want to. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 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 Um, I, right now I don't know what I'm doing, but, uh, that's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. I'll be sure to like link your Twitter in the description and please send the, um, the, uh, the studies over so that people can like check it out. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, you guys should follow my Twitter. It's um, at, and then it's uh, the. No, I'll link it. They'll, they'll be able to get to it. The Vedic Cyber God. I see. No, nah, some people, some of my followers are hard of hearing, so I'm just trying to be uh, <laughs> responsible to them. Underscore. F R G O O D. Vedic Cyber God underscore. You'll figure it out. Awesome. Uh, and where is this? Problem?